Uh, and we're on, we're on. It, it's go time. And here we are looking at, uh, um, again, it's the usual problem that I have every week. How many tales are we looking at? So I've had to, listening back to what we've recorded so far, I've got it wrong every time. Right. Okay, because it's about the tales of the unexpected and the idea was to put, a, like, what, the, what it was, what was going on. It was the our point of view, the unexpected tales of the tales. Then it's the programme's tales of the unexpected, but our tales. So I don't, I think it's the ta- the unexpected tales of the, ta- about the tales of the tales of the unexpected tales. Right, because for me it's a little bit, the, the intro there is always a little bit like when you ask for directions from somebody. I can follow the first three or four, and then they're saying, take a left, do a right, and I'm sort of lost. But, well, but Dan really sort of mentioned it because it looked impolite. Yeah, I agree. So as, as soon as anybody introduces more than one left or... Like, the combination of left, right, left, left again, and then right. Um, no, it's gone. It needs to be... Ha- it needs to be left, 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 and then your second right. Yeah. And I'm done. That's then, good, great. Right. count them Yeah, so just... If it's not simple... Make it simple. See, I think that's something that sort of has held me back from being like in TV quizzes and stuff like that. Because there used to be a thing called Ask the Family with Robert Robinson. And they'd always have like a maths question, which was a man sets off from point B and travels this far. And then a bit like in O-level maths, and then changes direction and travels this far. And, And I'd be doing really quite well, and I'd have a mental picture in it. And then it'd just go off. My mind would just wander. And then... That was it. Yeah, I have the same issue when I'm watching things like The Chase, when um, I've the, say the question, and then I get it wrong, yeah. the answer wrong, and then I start reviewing the last question to why I might have got that wrong, and I've missed the next question. So I'd be useless on that show, because I'd always be a second question behind, providing I got everything wrong. I mean, the idea is to get everything right. You don't expect... To get everything right, wrong, or right, or wrong. Sort of mixture of the two. Which oh. is a nice link into the unexpectedness of what the fuck's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back, guys. Yeah, uh, welcome back. This is we this today is the Episode three, it's our episode four, but it's actually episode three of The Tales of the Unexpected, which was called... Uh, William and Mary. William and Mary. Um, and I remember seeing this uh, a long time ago and didn't like the episode. I remember not liking it, so I wasn't looking forward to, to watching this again. Um, reviewing it, or re-watching it, I actually got the story wrong. I I seem to remember it differently to what it was. It hasn't improved the story for me. It's I still didn't like it. Yeah, I, it's not one of my favourite episodes as well. You know, it's sort of described as a short story, but I think probably it would be more like a pamphlet if you, <laughs> if you, if you condense this down to what it could be. It's a pamphlet rather than a yeah, short it's story. Different. Yeah, I like the idea of being pamphlet. You could just say it. As a, oh, did you hear about that? Yeah. Did that, you hear about that woman? Exactly. Here's what happened. And then in 30 seconds, you're like, you're moving on to the next story. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Um, if we get into the story then, it starts off with Roald Dahl again in his office, studio, yeah. or whatever it is. And he's now then, the lights have gone up again. Because last week, yeah, uh, we noted that the room was Very dark. much dark. Very gloomy. But you can see him a lot better this yeah. time. Yeah. So he's wearing a burgundy... Uh, cardigan right 
Um, and you were mentioning that you you imagined him wearing a, a cardi. Yeah, and, and I actually think, and this is probably something to reflect what's to come, he's no longer being quite as spooky as he had been. But possibly, but what he does do, he, he's, he goes straight in with, this is a nasty tale. Yeah, yeah. And then he mentions that with uh, nastiness and horror... If you leave one out, then it becomes just bitter. Yeah. But if you add humour into it, which this actress can do, yeah. Um, so it's it fe- it felt like it was going to be a lot more horrific and nasty than it actually was. In the end, it was a little bit of a revenge story. Yeah. Well, when he said taste bitter, and again, this just just might be, might be me, but I was thinking. Bitter almonds, cyanide. Is there going to be a sort of poisoning side to it? You know, because how I how I sort of have this idea that he gives you cues in the right, okay. so I'm thinking, is it poisoning? But what it what it was, I think what his cue was here. He did he did mention the actress, yes, as one who knew how to use humour and sort of concluded he didn't think we needed to worry. Now it's a little bit like. The fourth wall is that a bit like breaking the fourth wall. Yes, okay. he's not. He's not so much saying I've used humour here. He's, he's inferring that, it, but it's, it, it's about the actress. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was, it's interesting to note that it is using the actress in this. Who's basically it's about her. Roald Dahl does his intro, and then we go to a woman who we later learn uh, is Mary. Mary. She's walking out of a hospital room, and it's bad news. We we get the impression that somebody that's close to her, in this case, it's William, her husband, who's died, and the kind of nurse who's taken her away from the room is kind of a bit of consoling and stuff like that. Then, oh, sorry. Well, so I was going to say, so at this point, as he's sort of teed us in there with comedy actress, I'm looking at who is it then? Because I'm thinking... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so expect a big name here. Right? Yeah, okay, yeah. And, to, and to be honest, of the time, Elaine Strict, for it is she, was a sort of, not not sort of a huge sort of A-lister, but she was, you know, she did a lot of theatre work, a lot of stuff on TV. For me, round about similar time, I think it might have been slightly earlier, she... She, the thing that sticks in my mind, she did a program with Donald Sindon. Do you remember? Do you remember? I remember Sindon and uh, Never the Twain. Yeah, with Winter yeah, Davis. With Davis. Yeah. Well, she did a program with him where he was her butler. Right, and uh, it was called The Two of Us, and she was a brash American, and he was a very sort of proper English churches. Uh, as, as English was. churches. Well, when uh, not nine o'clock news, yeah. parking back to Pamela Stevenson. Yeah. There, yeah. When they, whenever they sort of did an impression of him, then he'd be sort of saying something along the lines of English churches because he had that sort of. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's a good voice, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And just you know, being as we're linking in, I did mention. I think it was in the in the intro to these things that Peter Cook had done a um, tales of of the tales of very much as we expected. Well, when that program, the two of us, was then taken up in America, the roles were reversed. well, no, 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 not really. But uh, anyway, Peter Cook played the butler. Right, OK. Which was a bit of a surprise, really, that he'd do that sort of thing. He only did it for one season. It didn't sort of do particularly well. But I did used to like that because I am a big Peter Cook fan. Yeah, I like Peter Cook. Yeah. So yeah. there's a couple of links there for anybody who's sort of interested in how these things sort of work. OK, so she leaves the hospital room 
um, as we said, and then as she leaves, the camera closes in on the window for the for the uh, the, the, the room, the waiting well, consultation room, the the ward room, whatever it is, and then another face appears in the window, which is a kind of almost matronly sort of figure, and she she just looks really odd. Oh, you think, oh, hang on, something crazy is going to happen, and indeed it does because as soon as Mary's left. They wheel out the body of who's covered of presumably William at this stage. Right? Did you miss that? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So they wheel out the body, and then it's flash forward to the funeral. But sort of some very incongruous music. I sort of all the harpsichord. That's, oh, yeah. I don't, re- I yeah. don't recall music. Very strange, sort of almost a little bit. Well, you know, harpsichord Cheeky. music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do know harpsichord. It's like Henry VIII. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at the funeral, as the vicar or the reverend or whoever is doing that little bit of speaking, um, she does. It's a close, long close up of her. Yeah. And she smirks. Yeah, a very strange sort yeah. of look. So at this point, now my impression of her is, ah, this is good news for her. Poison. May, poison. Po- yeah, exactly. So she's killed him, she's off him. That's where we're going with this story. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you see, I'll come back to that later. Because right. that, that, that might be a, a point to, to raise as part of the unexpected bit. But then, Geralt's also a very sinister sort of guy. Yes, well, that's what I was saying. From a distance. Yeah, sort of skulking. Yeah, he's a weird man watching, as I've written here. Um, In my mind, he's got like a like a Homburg hat or something like that and glasses on. He's a bit like uh, Breaking Bad guy or... Uh, Heisenberg, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's... For me, he's like you almost feel like he's a spy. Yeah, a bit like because the other thing that it reminds me of is the episode of Spaced, where the dog is kidnapped oh. by a vivisection. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he's dressed in same sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah. it, so obviously, I'm then thinking something, something odd. Yeah, it, you, know? uh, you almost expect him to stay in the background for a lot longer. That's not the case. We're going to come back to him in a moment. But then we cut to her living room. It's one week after. The funeral after the the bury the, the burying the dead body been buried. Yeah. What? What? Bur- well, I, I had a friend from North Yorkshire who would call it a burial, which I always. It's like the people who call the place bury bury because that's how it's spelled. Yeah. 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 But whereas Derby in Derby ha- Derby <laughs> yeah, but Americans called a Derby hat yeah. Those, don't they? Yeah. You see, you and I, this goes back to your profession more than anything. Um, clerks, the movie. Yeah. I say clerks because that's all I've ever known. But down to what you used to do as a living, yeah. you want to say clerks. Yeah, absolutely. You can't get it out of your... That's yeah. the way you say it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. That's what I see. Yeah. Well, I'm going to come back to your profession in a moment because oh. you used to be a solicitor. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, and... In this, the solicitor is now talking to Mary. He is, so yeah. that's that's this is one week after the Now then, he introduced himself as a lawyer. Now, do you think that that is because one, he's talking to an American woman, and that's how what they would say. Yeah. Or two, is that for us as a as a viewing audience because that would make it more easy to understand than the solicitor, which I, I feel hard to believe. Or three, and um, may, maybe it's because this program would have been sold to the states. I think I think there's a sort of in the 
sort of public consciousness, there's a sort of a bit of a blur in between the, the two professions. Uh, that's solicitor and barrister. Uh, I mean, obviously, he would have been a solicitor, uh, I would suspect. He's, he's clearly not a barrister. Uh, you, you might have sent a clerk for this, but although it's not a big estate, it looks like it's quite sort of his family friend, so I suppose he would be. But what always used to bother me about telling people who were American that I was a solicitor is that I, I believe it's something like a travelling salesman over there, somebody who solicits purchases. Oh, right. Oh. And so I've always sort of thought, oh, is that what it is? And, of course, there is always the... So the term lawyer... We, is a bit of a catch-all. We, we know it's going to be... Yeah, exactly. It's going to be... This lawyer will deal with this. They'll deal with... Yeah, purchase or deal with covers everything. Criminal, you yeah, can yeah. be a barrister, you can be a solicitor, you, you're a lawyer. So that's what I think. Okay, it's for that. So they're talking, um, and uh, there's a few things in here. There's a lot of mentions of kind of life goes on. Um, there's cutbacks to um, William as he was walking around to the because he's an academic, so he's walking around Oxford or Cambridge. One of those sorts of universities isn't it clearly um and he the solicitor lawyer says no there's nothing much in the will right um except three thousand pounds which would have been quite a bit i'm guessing um and a house yeah this house here right okay so i did some research by the way into you know last week when we did the coat one yeah yeah the uh, mink yeah bixby in the coat yeah right she paid 50 pounds to the um Pawnbroker, Paul Paul yeah. That in nineteen seventy nine in our money would have been one hundred and seventy six pounds eighty seven p. So that gives you an idea of how much that taxi cost because that's what she was <laughs> raising the money for, wasn't she? I need fifty quid for the taxi. Yeah. One hundred and seventy quid for that taxi that cost now. So she, yeah, I mean, that's, well, a, that's a good. It's a good ride. Yeah, I mean that gives you an idea about the location she was in, and also if we were to go back in time with fifty pounds. Uh, no, with fourteen pounds thirteen pence oh, our money. It, of our money, we'd have got fifty pounds. So right. our money fourteen pounds. So so there's the levels of inflation there. Anyway, um, so three thousand pounds, quite a bit of money, and the house. Well, um, go on. I, I notice that in here, there's quite a bit of sort of exposition, and I think that's something again that happens quite a lot in this particular episode, because he says. Uh, I'm his lawyer, I've been his friend for 25 years. And uh, another bit of exposition, which is sort of quite interesting, I think, is uh, Roald has set us up for the humour in this. Yes. And twice, Elaine Stritch character, Mary, telegraphs to us that she's doing the humour because she says something to uh, the lawyer and then says to him, it's a joke, Arthur. Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, but which does because obviously he hasn't got the joke. Yeah. So she, it's a joke. And then later on, she says that's another joke, Arthur. Yeah. And I'm sort of thinking that's sort of harking back a bit. To yeah. Because he's sort of saying there is some comedy in here, yeah. you know. And she's actually making it clear for anybody who's not sort of spotting it, as, he, as in fact he's not. There's an element of lightheartedness. Yeah. Yeah. And then so he he's going through the paperwork and he finds he says look, look there's a, here's, here's that de- those details that you're going to need and, and keep them safe. But uh, there's also a letter here which I'm instructed to read yeah. to you whilst I'm in your company. Which, which actually 
he has to open. Yes, he has, yeah. He's not, he's not yeah, even yeah. going to give it to her. Yeah, yeah. He's he has got to, to open it. He has to open it. It's a seal envelope, open and read it whilst he's there and make sure she follows through with the instructions. Yeah. The instructions are, this gives you an impression about what he was like. Well, yeah, and the fact husband. that he's not said, I'll give this to my wife, this letter. He said, open it. I don't trust her with it. Exactly. I don't trust her with it at all. I mean, I will say by this point, and it's perhaps something that, you you know, you only sort of notice on a second second sort of watching. When they've been talking about him being an academic, he's also been described as a first-class brain. Yes, I made that note, yeah. So he's super clever. Is a word that you used last week, uh, fastidious. Um, and he's obviously got things in his pl- in its place. Everything is is there for a reason, and it can't be interfered with. Yeah. And even from the grave, now he's controlling this, and she's just like, "Fuck's sake!" Was um, more of this nonsense? Yeah. But part of that letter, right at the end of it, so he mentions you have to do. Uh, where's that thing? It says um, I instruct. I, yeah, so observe these following steps. You, you can't smoke, you can't wear dresses, you can't yeah. watch TV too loud. What what other stuff? You can't, you've got to look twice before you cross the road. <laughs> no alcohol. Uh, no alcohol. No makeup, no telly, no cigarettes. Uh, and disconnect the telephone. Because I, I won't be needing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was, what, what, what if she needed to use it? Also... That links now to the fact that she does need a telephone because part of that instruction is ring this neurosurgeon because yeah. he's got some news for you. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, and he, she has to make that call in Mr. Baxter's presence. Yeah, and, and, and again, so Baxter is following through with his instructions and then... Throw away comment, though, there from Elaine, uh, straight from, from Mary... After he's set up this rules about no alcohol, no cigarettes, no drinking, no makeup, uh, and the phone, she says, he really did take great care of me. And I, and I thought, you know, is that, is that a joke? What, is that, or is that... I think, I think it is. You get, I think you, what we like to find out exactly. about the character... Yeah, it's, it's knowing the full picture yeah. is now you realise that some of these comments that she made is that she was actually probably looking for a way out and that's why the smirk was at the funeral yeah. and, and not because she's done out. Yeah. It's because she's had enough and actually that was the end of it. But now she's got to make this phone call. And when she makes a phone call, we don't know what's happening on that phone call, but we, we I think we just assume that it was just, yeah, come come down to the local hospital. This is where I'm based. Ask for me. I've, I'll set some time aside and we'll have a discussion because we'll go straight to the hospital Go straight to the office of this neurosurgeon, uh, which is pretty gloomy. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I expected dark, yeah. an old old doll sort of appearing in the corner. And that yeah. was so gloomy, like from the first few episodes. Well, this is Doctor Landy. I think it's, it's pronounced Landy, and yeah, yeah. Um, he's observing uh, X-rays and and the like and stuff, and just being a general, just hospital guy, yeah. neurosurgeon man, but. I've seen his face somewhere before, Rob. Have you? Not, um, not in, not in film. Oh, what I mean is in this TV program. He's the guy from the church, and he's the guy who was at the funeral who thought was a spy, but he's yeah. not. He's a neurosurgeon, and uh, basically they sit down and and she's been brought by the solicitor. Right? Yes, okay. and, oh yeah, that's right. And the solicitor says, "Solicitor says, yeah, okay, I see you made this appointment. I've, you've been introduced. That's where my instruction ends." 
I'll see you later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, again, control, she's not being trusted. She has to be yeah. brought, you know. Yeah. So, um, this is where that first class brain. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's another mention of it here. So, yeah. he's been, so that's twice, he's been mentioned not as a person, but as a first class brain. Yeah, and then the doctors just said, it's just the one I want. Right. Okay, so what, the brain? He wants the brain? What's going on? And then I'm thinking maybe that's the reason why they had to shift that body out because they're going to do something with that brain. So then there's quite a lot of build-up here and a lot of science talk. With a lot of uh, mention of a ringer's solution. I don't know if you you know. Never heard of this. I've never heard of it myself, but I do notice that it it keeps being raised, you know. So I did do a bit of a look into this, and it is actually something that's real. It's something that is used for, like, the in vitro muscle testing. Uh, so it does sort of apparently keep tissue alive. Right. But I'm surprised. I think there must be four or five mentions of ringers. It's almost as though they're, like, you know, product placement for it, which uh, uh, yeah, I don't okay. think it probably is, but no, 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 it's, no. it's very odd. Well, Unless it's to give it that sort of air of... Um, to, to make it believable. Yeah, know? I suppose, yeah, because in uh, the, when you go into... We'll come back to the lab bit later, but when they actually go into the lab, yeah, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on the side there. There isn't there. Yeah, we have to just trust is the right thing. <laughs> so we don't but really we probably know. believe in him because we know he's got ringer solution. Yeah, he's a ringer, uh, so ringer solution, and he's a neurosurgeon. So I've now changed my mind about this woman because all the way through this build-up, she's looking again a bit more exhausted. A bit yeah. it's like, are you fucking kidding me? I've got to go. What's what the hell? Uh, but she doesn't mention any of this. She's just absolutely gobsmacked that the, the the news that that he's delivering her is that we've we've we're going to keep his brain alive. Yeah, I mean, he, he does finally get to that, but it's almost like it's not news that he's delivering her. It's news she's having to extract from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been really coy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Very, very much so. And so it gets to this point where he's like, right, okay, let me give you a bit of a. An, a a showcase yeah. here on this screen and it's a nice like Star Trek sort of screen and he presses a button the screen goes up and then you see this <laughs> a dog's head on a plate <laughs> <laughs> and he's like look you, as you can see that head has been removed from the dog yeah but it's been attached the brain is still being kept alive yeah that, that dog's head is still alive yeah now that is a, an animal and what we want to do was use a human guinea pig and the brain of your husband is the one we've chosen to use. Yeah. I mean, again, it's taken a huge dance to get there, though. Yeah. With him saying to her, what do you think about life after death? What if I told you that he's alive? He's in there. Yeah. And then when he said those things to her, he says, I didn't mean to upset you. Yeah, well, what was she expecting? <laughs> I mean, so what was he expecting? Absolutely. And, and I've got this um, uh, note here. The doctor is saying this quite evilly. Yeah. Almost like, because he refers to it as an experiment later on. Yeah. But this does feel quite Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was sort of thinking, evil scientists, you yeah. know, they're the ones who reanimate bodies, a bit like Frankenstein. And of course, later on, Igor comes into it, <laughs> who is sort of the classic young Frankenstein helper. Isn't yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the, the idea is they're going to keep the brain alive. She has to deal with the fact that she thought he was dead and that was actually probably an end to her misery. But now he's been kept alive and she's got to deal with that. But also the prospect of now 
be oh no he's back in my life bloody yeah. hell what's, what the hell's going on so then she says what's the point of this um, and it, it's kind of like that's another indication that it's an experiment we think we can do this so he's the human um, and he mentions that it takes um, oh it's, it's a three minute process yeah. so they only have three minute window yeah. to make to, to transfer the brain and make sure the blood was uh, she explains why they're probably wheeling him out just as yes, you stri- yeah, they've got to go yeah. straight away. Actually, that's a good point, yeah. It mentioned, so actually, we're halfway through the episode here, right? Okay, right. so um, so all of this, and we yet to find out the unexpected bit, yeah. right? And at this point, there's a reason why I mentioned that. I'll come back to it later. Then he mentioned there's an eye, <laughs> yeah, and she's kind of looks mortified. And then he, and then he, unlike the dog whose head was on a plate, this. This guy's brain's in a basin. Yeah, in a basin, which I found very... Neither technical terms. Yeah, and, you know, is it in a basin? When we see it later... Well, we'll talk about what we see later on, but I don't see a basin. No, it's more of a bread maker. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) When he's he's sort of then, therefore, described this, we've got an eye, we've got a brain in a basin, he's going to take her through to see it, and he says, you mustn't be too surprised. Oh, bloody hell, yeah. Well, this is the thing, is not only does he... Don't think it's a basin, but also <laughs> the, the the dog's head wasn't on a plate; it was on a petri dish, just a massive petri dish. Which I'm, I made a note of that because I, I don't think I've used that uh, word petra since probably sixteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, agar jelly, you said agar jelly. <laughs> the, the science chat has sort of finished. Yeah. Okay, let's go and see him. And he says to her, "You can smile at him or blow a kiss." <laughs> So he goes into this room, um, and um, oh yeah, no, before that, this is a great line. She says, "You know, is well, the doctor's explaining that it's kind of like not his face or anything like that. It's just it's, she says, I, I didn't marry him for his looks.'" <laughs> and she says, "And he and the doctor says, oh, good, good.'" <laughs> because I was watching a YouTube clip the other day of one of those police videos, and it was the the. the Policeman has obviously got a mic on him, and you can see him at the, 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 the car. He's over the window, and he's got this woman for speeding. And she says, and you can hear quite clearly, she says, "I thought you didn't give tickets to pretty girls." And he goes, the, the policeman goes, "No, we don't. Can you sign here, please?" <laughs> <laughs> so I love that line. Is I didn't marry him for his looks. Good, that's, that's handy. Um, Talks about the fact that his field of vision is narrow, which yeah. is, again, a point that we need to make just so it makes sense later. Yeah. goes into the laboratory, and all I can say is that all this equipment looks legit. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. No, there's, there's, there's like what I recognise, again, from school, like an oscilloscope. Yes, exactly. This was a, a Type 35... Sorry, 535A oscilloscope, which is sort of monitoring electrical pulses and stuff. I think uh, there's another joke here for, for, from Elaine. When he says his vision is narrowed, then she comes back with it always was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a lovely metaphor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, lovely metaphor. Which, again, gives us a bit of an insight yeah. into what this guy is. You yeah. Know. Um, so what you get is, so the doctor says, there it is, and it's a box. Like I say, it's like some sort of bread maker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with a perspex, a clear perspex dome on the top, which would be his eye. And then you get a close-up of the eye, which is a fucking hilarious special <laughs> effect. Is, is that a real eye? Is that uh, a fake I'm eye? I'm guessing it's fake eye. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. His, it's pointing up. Yeah, 
okay, so he can only see the ceiling, and in order to see, in order for him to see you, you have to look directly over him, directly over the thing. Why? Why not put it on the front of the box? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they spent all this money on because uh, well, he's saying. He's, he, she, I think she says he's looking up at the ceiling at which point they both do look up at the ceiling <laughs> but I'm thinking put it on the front you know? <laughs> exactly yeah yeah I suppose yeah um, so um, the doctor leans over and he's like William hello it's me the doctor the neuroscientist yeah and the beat the oscilloscope a lot, lot of activity yeah okay and then he encourages her to do the same and she goes she approaches the box says hello William it's Mary again yeah and he goes, no, no, you've got to go over it. You've got to yeah. like, lean over it. And he does, and then, of course, the sounds come up. Which, to the guy's credit, you know, we've been saying he's a bit controlly, but he does seem excited to see it, doesn't he? You well, know? we don't know that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of noise, a lot of activity. When the thing is, as, as bad as a husband he, as he was to her, he might not have thought that he was a bad guy. Well, yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's like, oh, look who it is, it's Mary. Yeah, right? I, I thought he seemed genuinely pleased, as far as you can tell, with a brain in a box, <laughs> or a basin. Throughout this... We, as she's coming to terms with what's actually happening here, yeah, we get again flashbacks to him just looking like a cunt, <laughs> and just you know sat in his chair being a dick, yeah, and stuff. So when it comes back to her, you can see this plan emerging in her head. Yeah, her face, her face changes. She's like, hang on, yeah, I could use this to my advantage here. And, and and I think you can see that dawning quite yeah. sort of gradually. Yeah, dawning. That's yeah. That's the, yeah, perfect term there. So then she says, "Mary's going to look after you." Yeah. Right. And you think, "Oh God, hang on." Right. Okay. So she, then she insists that she takes him home. The doctor puts up some resistance. Says, "No, it's an experiment and stuff. You can't do that." Well, to accompany the dawning sort of thing, she says to the to the doctor, "I'm beginning to feel an affection." For yes. You. Yes. Uh, like this, yeah. So you're sort of thinking, yeah, she's not, yeah. she's not been keen, but she, she obviously does seem happy. Yeah. But then she's like this, so it's, you know, what's she thinking? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 she uses the doctor's words against him, where he's trying to say, you know, you can't take him out of here, and he's saying, and she goes, yeah, but you said. That you know, there's no difference between this William and the one you married. Yeah, exactly. So I've got to take him home anyway. She's out for revenge, clearly. Yeah. Right, and then we flash forward. He's home. Yeah. Right. All the bits of kit that they've got this nice setup. But describe the scene. Uh, she's in a dress, a party dress, looking glamorous. Actually. She's looking glam. She gets her cigarettes. <laughs> the TV's blaring away. The beeping of the oscilloscope is is going yeah. off and yeah. stuff. He's angry. Right, and she then could, she, she could have been using the telephone, but she she wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't. This is the only thing <laughs> that she wasn't using. So then she, I love this. She positioned this kind of mirror. So if he's looking up at the ceiling, he looks at a mirror, which is then pointing at the TV, and she's like, "Oh, you wanted to watch the TV? Go, let's watch the TV." I'll turn up. Don't worry. In fact, the sound that you're making is quite soothing, really. And so she's putting him through some hell here. Um, and then basically she does everything that he told her not to do and she yeah. kind of sits there on the couch and uh, she's having a drink and she says he's mud in your eye he's mud, is mud in your eye and he's all he's got left his eye yeah. and then says um, life goes on and on and on 
and on. and on, and then music. So my, and that's where the episode ends. There, yeah. we've got the music going, the credits. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, as we've been sort of talking it through, this is seemed to me to be a better episode than when we watched it. Well, I've enjoyed talking about it, but the problem I have with it, and I may have discovered one or two bits on the the way, but also I've inferred there's something I wanted to come back to, which was where's the unexpected bit? Was it the revenge story, do you think? Because I I fail to see how it matches the, the previous two twists. Well, the it's sort of unexpected to her that there's any portion of him still left. So that was at 12 minutes. Yeah, but as I've, as I've been saying on this one, it's not end of tales that's very unexpected, it's tales that are unexpected. It's so, the whole tale which yeah, is unexpected. So, I think, so, yeah. so it can come anywhere, right? Well, I've, it could be, yeah. I think that all the time, again, mention that this is a world, the tales of unexpected world is that just go along with it because most things can happen and things will be explained to you along the way. Yeah. And yeah. all the time in this is that it, there was that massive build-up of science, the science chat. Yeah. There was nothing unexpected about the fact that when you got into the room, it's like, because you'd already, you'd already, the doctor had done the groundwork for the, now yeah. when he goes into the room, yeah. we're expecting this. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, in, so, in some, in some, and, yeah, and, and, and he says to her, don't be surprised, didn't he? As, yeah. as I was saying earlier on. Yeah, so, so, it must be, the unexpected bit must be the fact that she's using, she, she's now decided to give him a bit of a life of hell. She's obviously, she's obviously been through the ringer. Yeah. So, so the first unexpected bit is, well, there's a, an air of mystery about who the sinister guy at the church is. That's an unexpected bit, yeah. or rather sinister. It's not nasty, is it? No, no. But then it's not tales of nasty, is it? But Roald, Roald, yeah. Dahl does say say that this is a nasty. There's a nastiness about it. Hmm. Is it is it very nasty? So is is it is he a bit disapproving then of what she, how she's behaving? I think that that must be it. That there's actually it's, there's very little unexpected. It's unexpected to us, but it's actually the unexpected bit that we're led into is yeah. the fact that she, oh she's got a husband back. She didn't really want him back, but actually no, she's not going to leave him in the lab and just go visit him at weekends. She's going to torture. She's going to torture him. And then when she For goes back, like, yeah, exactly, is that this is a guy in a box where he offered his brain to science. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if we mentioned that, is that he consented to leaving his brain to science. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that. This no. isn't, this isn't, the, the doctor wasn't all that evil. He was looking for a brain and the guy said, okay, use mine. But, but she's not having that because she says one man's experiment is another woman's husband. Which, yeah. You know, I think it's quite a good sort of line encapsulating the situation, really. So, uh, well, that's that was my fault with it, and, and the other fault I had with it is that it, I don't particularly like this this sort of um, we get one person's point of view on it. Yeah. So we're never left to find out exactly how bad he was. Yeah. I think what we have to do is infer yeah. at the end yeah. that he was pretty nasty for her to decide to do this. Yeah. But I would have liked to have had a bit more of emotion. To say, yeah, he deserved that. Yeah, I mean, he got his just deserves. There, are, there are deserves. But we, we said this. Just it's just deserves. It is what he deserves. But I do believe it's just deserves. But I don't know why that would be. What what is a dessert the, in that? The, the only one I know is what you eat. Just deserves makes more sense than just deserves. It, yeah, if it, if it's not just deserves, it ought to be. We ought to campaign for that. Right. Okay. That's. 
we'll, we'll probably do a podcast on yeah or not maybe maybe we shouldn't so that's where that's that was the tale of William and Mary William and Mary Bill and Maz as they might be called yeah. <laughs> um, again didn't particularly like this one uh, wasn't looking forward to watching it again um, happy happy that we mentioned it we yeah. spoke about it and I don't think they get much worse than this for me at least anyway no no I think this is you know if we said that uh, the uh, first one to be shown wasn't the first one to be shot I wonder if this one was and they thought we can't dump that God, one God, no, public, this is know. definitely a, a, an episode three get, yeah. almost right we'll, we'll set it up okay a couple of good episodes yeah. get the shite one out of the way yeah. and then we're back on par which, which I think is what people must do pop stars when they release an album because you know you've got some filler and I I've got this theory that you know you're probably going to start with a good one but I've noticed that number five track on a, on a CD is generally one that I really really like and I've been I've been looking at this since like the 1980s the first CD I ever bought was um oh it's not Jesus and Mary Chain, but he's, he's very goth. And the Cure? No, he's... And he does this corrosion. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. Anyway, that was the first one I ever bought, and I thought, mm, number five, this corrosion. And so I've been looking at it now for, what, 30 years, and it's generally the case. Well, I have the same theory, but about tracks number two and 11. Right. Yeah, I think num- uh, number one is always one that you kind of like you'd expect to be pretty good. There are, there's some great number one yeah, tracks. You've got to start off. Yeah. It, it, and uh, certainly albums that I listen to, number one is the, the pleaser. Right. right. But number two is the same as this, that what we're talking about here yeah. is that we've got to keep it going. Yeah. So there's your number two. Okay. Number three, you bury some bad news. Number three is. Yeah, generally not so hot. Yeah. But then you've got to finish on a high, number 11. Yeah, yeah. Back up again. Uh, Sisters of Mercy, it was. That was oh, God. yes, of course. Yeah. Andrew Eldridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, finally, just a note on the ending there, there's some music in the background, which could have been ELO. Right. There was sort of some sort some sort of ELO sound to it, which at the time, 1979, would have been... M- you know, possibly kind of like, you know, oh, well, that's breaking some boundaries. Yeah, yeah. So I did a little bit of research into 1979 and what was right. on TV at the time. Right. Um, here's things that were ongoing. So they didn't start in this year. Uh, no, sorry, they started in this year, right. but um, which was Blankety Blank. Right. Uh, the Antiques Roadshow started in 79 and the Paul Daniels Magic Show. Which which one would that be? Um I mean, he's done. He did quite a few, didn't he? And of course, and of course, you have links to Paul. Daniel. Yes, Paul Daniel, friend of my dad's. Uh, he's dead now. Of course, he died earlier this year, which is quite sad. But um, you, you misheard the lyrics to yeah, his show. Didn't I did you? Um, it was? Um, the, it was the. We might have to come back to this. I can't remember what the lyrics were. I'll tell you what it was. We were talking about it, and you were saying it's the man himself, yeah. Paul Daniels. Yeah, and I said. It was the man himself. Meet the man himself, yeah. Paul Daniel. Well, it's, in fact, it's the man who excels, Paul Daniel. I see. I still can't hear it. I still can't. <laughs> even when you said that, it's like that seems a bit too much. It's the man who excels, Paul also, Daniel. <laughs> but well, uh, meet the man himself, Paul Daniels. Uh, yeah. Minder, 
talking about theme tunes, yeah. that's that is the A one theme tune. Yeah, uh, minder and Wurzel Gummidge, which scared the life out of me. Uh, same time as the Honey Monster as well. Right. I, could, I couldn't watch the advert or Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah, we see obviously being slightly more advanced in years, I was able to to cope with Wurzel Gummidge. And you know, it's one of those things. It's a bit curious. It's not something that you know you you say all the time. That I'd sort of always say, but I did have a bit of a thing. For Aunt Sally. Una Stubbs. Yeah. But, uh, you know, no, I couldn't watch any of it. It's scruffy. Um, I mean, when I say a thing, I, you know, I, I sort of fancy her a bit. No, definitely not. Yeah. Right, but I did have a thing for most Doctor Who assistants, and Doctor Who was out in, was ongoing in uh, 79. Jack and Ori, The Goodies, That's Life, Jim will fix it. Right. He fixed that one. Yeah. Rent a Ghost. Which was yeah. another great theme tune. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I really liked that. Yeah, uh, loved Rent a Ghost, and it got um, Coronation Street woman. In it, yeah, it? Audrey. Yeah, yeah. I forget her name. Miss Popoff. Uh, yeah, her yeah. name was um, three, two, one with Dusty. Can't do Bin. the fingers. Yeah. Can't I can't do the, now. I can do the thing. Oh, we're there. It's, there. Yeah. Not good for the podcast. So Grange Hill, which I want to include. I want to do an episode of Grange Hill for the podcast. And Faulty Towers right. was in was in season. So yeah. there's there's some history. History. His story. Men, men, male story. Story about men. I mean, for me, uh, 1979 means London Calling. Clash album. Uh, came out in December. And, you know, that, that's what I always yeah. think. When I see 1979, I always think of that. So that was episode four, uh, talking about episode three yeah. of the Tales of the Unexpected. And next week, we're going to be talking about another Tales of the Unexpected. <laughs> well, well, to, Lamb to the Slaughter. It is Lamb to the Slaughter. Lamb. Yeah, you're right, of course Lamb it is. to the Slaughter. Um... And in, in which, a, a brief, a brief synopsis, very brief, in which uh, a housewife uh, is preparing dinner, and uh, an incident uh, then occurs, which leads to her calling the police. While you know, when did the incident happen? We'll find out. L- let's find out. Let's give that a watch. <laughs> Love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.